Hey, this is Sandy. And Randy. And we're here on AT Corner. Being an athletic trainer comes with ups and downs, and we're here to showcase them all. Join us as we share our world in sports medicine. Welcome back to another episode of AT Corner. For this episode, we are continuing our education series on modalities. In particular, we're going to talk about one that gets a lot of controversy, and that is therapeutic ultrasound. Honestly, I didn't know that this was so controversial, probably until this year. Yeah, there's some people that are just like Like, totally... They're passionate about it. Oh, yeah. Either it's awesome or they hate it. Which one are you? Or are we going to find out? We're going to kind of find out. I don't want to seem like I'm super biased. What do you how do you feel about ultrasound? Um, I can tell you right now that I really like ultrasound, so <laughs> Okay, so you heard the passion in that answer. So, for this episode, we're going to start by first talking about how ultrasound even works. What what is it doing that makes sound? And then we're going to describe the proposed mechanism of action. And then we're going to discuss the evidence for a therapeutic ultrasound in various musculoskeletal pathologies. And then finally, we're going to discuss how to maximize your outcomes for therapeutic ultrasound. This is probably the best part in Sandra's mind because it is actionable items, something you can get done. Am I right? So you are saying that we should use ultrasound. You'll see. <laughs> Hold on. Don't, don't, don't give away the ending on this one. It might have a twist. So how does therapeutic ultrasound work? So this is probably going to be the shortest part of this segment, this bullet point of objectives right here. So essentially, the machine takes electrical energy. It's sent to a crystal that's inside the sound head. That crystal then vibrates, and that vibration of the crystal creates the sound waves in ultrasound. Trippy, right? I can't really... I mean, I know we learned about this before, but it's just still hard to wrap my head around this. I don't know. Just sound waves or... I don't know. Yeah, luckily, that's really not what this episode's about, but that's essentially what's making the sound wave. So that's just giving a nice little baseline of here's how this machine works. Okay, so now we have sound waves. We know that there are sound waves coming out. How does that actually... Why does it matter? Yeah, why Why does it matter? My favorite question. (laughs) So the idea of therapeutic ultrasound is those sound waves go into your tissue, correct? And those sound waves create what's called cavitation. Essentially, that is oscillation of the microscopic bubbles that begin to form within the biological fluid. So all the interstitial fluid and all that, all that fun stuff that we all learned in like microbio. As those bubbles start to oscillate in which they oscillate because they're absorbing the sound waves, it creates what's called microstreaming. Now, microstreaming is the flow of fluid around the oscillating bubbles. So that fluid that's around the bubbles starts to flow around them. So now you're starting to see that these sound waves help get fluid going. The benefit of cavitation and microstreaming is it's proposed to increase collagen synthesis, um, the proliferation of fibroblasts, because all that movement of fluid, all the oscillations of the bubbles, increases cell permeability and it'll start the beginnings of cell adaptation. So if I were to explain this to an athlete, I would basically say that when I'm doing ultrasound on them, there's sound waves going into their tissues, which are stimulating fluids, and those fluids help bring in the parts of the cell that, like fibroblasts, which help with repair. Yes, exactly. And stimulating collagen growth. Yeah, so it helps begin that process of repairing the tissue. It creates a nice optimal environment. 
at the cellular level. Yes, exactly. So you really got to kind of think abstract about this. So when you think of ultrasound, you're always told there's the non-thermal effects and the thermal effects. So in this case, we really focused on the non-thermal effects as far as affecting the fibroblasts and the flu flow and all that. As more of the cavitation and microstreaming happens and it happens longer and faster, that's where you start seeing the thermal effects. Essentially, the tissue starts to heat up, right? If I sit here and vibrate for a long time, I'm going to warm up. So these thermal effects, essentially, it's just like with any warming modality, it increases the tissue's ability to be lengthened. So it's just like your hot packs, just on a deeper level in a more focused area. Do we know how long those last? We actually do. It's a, it's a very short window. And a lot of times you'll hear about the stretching window when you talk about ultrasound. Essentially, you start to see the temperature go back to baseline around 15 minutes after the treatment. So it's a very small window to where you can actually take advantage of this easily lengthened tissue. That's actually longer than I thought. I thought it would be around 10, 5, 10 minutes. Yeah, I mean, it, it does decrease fairly rapidly. Um, because that 15 minute mark was like it's the baseline temperature so it's really really back to where it was at before so now we know what we think ultrasound does and what may be beneficial but what exactly does the evidence look like so if you really dive into the literature on this one a lot of the research that was done on musculoskeletal conditions shows that there was really no benefit to ultrasound so this is like healing yeah so like it could it Markers a lot were like pain and like functional ability and stuff like that. Okay, that's good to know because I don't use it for that. <laughs> yes. So, so I know what you're thinking is like, man, this is kind of anticlimactic to be told that there's no benefit. So, a Cochrane review was done on low back pain. And, you know, if you know anything about like Cochrane reviews, they're like really good and really in depth. So, it, I mean, it's a good, reliable review to look at for these conditions. And it showed that ultrasound was not better than placebo. This was similar to a Cochrane review on ankle sprains. Again, not better than placebo. We're getting pretty close to saying ultrasound's placebo at this point. You know what? I'm a big fan of placebo. It can help. It definitely if you think it you felt better, that's still a win. And like we have to say in every single episode, just because the review says it's not going to work for the majority of patients. Doesn't mean that it's not going to work for your patient. Exactly. There was also a review on lower extremity conditions. So just various conditions on lower extremity. Still not better than placebo. And then comes the reviews on carpal tunnel. This one was very interesting to me. So a Cochrane review on carpal tunnel syndrome showed that ultrasound was better than placebo. But the caveat was the quality of the studies weren't great. But still, it still showed results. And then also there was a review that showed an improvement in pain and resolution and symptoms in the majority of subjects within a certain study. So why is it that you see all these other conditions have no effect and then carpal tunnel actually shows a benefit? Um, Well, on the top of my head, I can guess two things. One, because the ones that you just said, low back, ankle sprain, and lower extremity, those are kind of very broad areas where I feel like ultrasound's very, it's kind of like a smaller area that yeah. you're working on. And also carpal tunnel is dealing with nerves. I like that. I like both those answers because that's true. You know, low back pain and ankle sprains, right? Those are big areas to treat. 
So what I thought was interesting, the reason that ultrasound might have been effective for carpal tunnel is some studies have shown that ultrasound might improve nerve regeneration. Oh. Is that not wild? I never thought of that until I read. Oh, that is actually really fascinating. Yes. Now I'm trying to think of who I could use it on. Like, that's really, that's really cool. So the idea is by decreasing the inflammatory mediators that are around the nerve, it helps preserve that nerve tissue. And there are some animal studies that showed that the actual recovery process, there were more neurons that were present after therapeutic ultrasound than the group that didn't get that or like the animals that didn't get the therapeutic ultrasound. So it might help with nerve healing. Which is not something I would have thought of. No, I, I mean, I don't even know what I normally would use neurologically. Exactly. Like, there's some stuff that you could do laser, too. I've heard laser has the opportunity to do that. But still, like, I never would have thought of that. So, at this point, so far, all we've talked about is the fact that maybe carpal tunnel syndrome can be helped out by therapeutic ultrasound. Uh, so what about when we combined ultrasound with other treatments, right? Because how many times have you just done ultrasound with someone and then told them goodbye? Um, never. <laughs> never. That's never going to happen, right? We add things on top of the ultrasound. Uh, one study did plantar fasciitis, you know, did multiple treatments for that. They did ultrasound and stretching. Again, as with other conditions, ultrasound was not better than placebo. Okay, wait, you're kidding because ultrasound and plantar fasciitis is one of the, the top things that I do with... My dancers. Yes. When they have plantar fasciitis, I do ultrasound and stretching. Yes. And I find it to be very effective. And along we'll, with strengthening, but... And we'll talk why. The ending's coming. Okay, It's okay. coming soon. And then they also there was another study that added ultrasound with other treatments to frozen shoulder. And similar to plantar fasciitis, with stretching and strengthening, ultrasound was not more effective than placebo. So at this point... We're not ready to say, oh, ultrasound's trash. Get rid of it. I'm never buying another ultrasound. Costs too much money anyways. I'm not doing it. The reason why I would say ultrasound is not trash is because if you look at the studies that ran like these ultrasound parameters, the parameters were not correct for the goal that they had in mind. What? Yes. So... I don't know if anyone would know the name, but there's this one group in BYU. It's uh, Draper and his colleagues and all that who do a lot of research in ultrasound. And I saw a continuing education unit, a continuing education course on it a few years ago. And they did an article that I read saying that most of the studies that have been done on therapeutic ultrasound aren't using the correct parameters. And that's why they're not finding the correct results. Wait, I don't understand. What do you mean they're not using the correct parameters? Yes. So with ultrasound, right, you get to adjust the frequency, you get to adjust the intensity, and then the time, you know, the length of the treatment can also play a role in what kind of effect you're getting from the ultrasound. And all that goes off of the idea of increasing the tissue temperature, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So... A lot of the studies that didn't find any results only increased the tissue temperature to maybe like one, two degrees Celsius. But if you're stretching, you got to get to four, baby. 
at least four. <laughs> I love the energy on that. You have to get to at least four. In the studies and, you know, the group at BYU, they did a lot of case series and stuff like that. And a lot of their other studies. When you look at their parameters, they got the tissue to six degrees Celsius. Wait, who did that? That was the group that um, actually showed benefits to ultrasound. Oh, okay. Yeah. So before you think ultrasound's garbage, really think about are these parameters that you're reading, are they what you were taught in school? Okay, you know what I'm you know what I'm thinking, and I know this is probably a horrible analogy, but I'm thinking of a bunch of researchers putting pizza in the microwave and putting it for ten seconds. And then getting cold pizza out of the microwave saying that microwaves don't work. Yes. Like take the uh, frozen shoulder study, right? Everyone knows about frozen shoulder, right? It's you get tightness, you can't move, right? Stretching is beneficial for that. So you want to loosen the capsule as much as, you, as much as you can. In the study, they did ultrasound over the front and the back of the shoulder for a total of six minutes. So it was three minutes on each side. It only increased the tissue temperature to maybe two degrees Celsius. You are not getting any extensibility from the tissue with that change. No. So that's why I would say before you say ultrasound's garbage, really double check those parameters. There's also been some of the durations for some of the studies have been very questionable. Um, Those studies that found improvements in carpal tunnel and nerve regeneration and even in tendon healing and stimulation of fibroblasts within tendons they did a low intensity so you're not anticipating a lot of tissue increase like or tissue temperature increase but they also did it for a longer duration so even though their goal wasn't to increase temperature that much they still did a long duration to maybe they got it to two degrees celsius of an increase in tissue temperature But my thinking here is there could be a difference between the tissue being exposed to sound for three minutes and 10 minutes. So maybe 10 minutes of fluid moving around is more advantageous than just three minutes of fluid moving around. In non-thermal. In non-thermal. So that's why I would say we have to double check what our goals are and making sure we're setting up to meet those goals and essentially what we're trying to do. So this is the best part of the podcast of this or this episode. It's the action items. Oh, my favorite. What, what can we take from this episode? That's going to change practice tomorrow. And I think in this episode, we do have something that could probably change your practice tomorrow. Well, I hope you're not going to tell me to throw out my ultrasound. No, do not throw out your ultrasound. <laughs> there, There is a benefit to ultrasound. And like I've just been saying is make sure the parameters are matching what you want to do. Are you trying to increase tissue extensibility? Then you want to try and go for vigorous heating. Vigorous heating is increasing the tissue temperature at least four degrees. Like I said, some of these studies went up to six degrees Celsius, which is crazy. Yeah, I didn't ever really think that you could go past. I mean, I knew you could go past four, but I didn't really ever plan for that. So that's really interesting. And we'll actually talk about why it might have been possible that they were able to increase the tissue temperature so high without getting a lot of patient discomfort. And also, if you do get patient discomfort, you can always adjust the parameters in treatment. Like if it's getting too hot, you can adjust the intensity just 
if you're adjusting the intensity, you may have to factor in to adjusting the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which to help with the ratio of how much temperature change you need to do, we will actually incre- uh, increase. We will actually include the chart breakdown of how fast tissue increases based on uh, the frequency and the ultrasound intensity. Um, what intensity do you usually use or do you change it a lot? You should change it. So depending on what your goal is, you should kind of play around with what kind of intensity you want to go with. You don't have to default to like, oh, this is what I was taught. I should just do it this intensity for all these things. You can play around with it. I have not. I usually do 1.5. And that's fine as long <laughs> as right the time and the frequency are matching what you're trying to do. So we will include that table. So It when- just makes for easy math. It does make for easy math. So we'll have the table for you guys in the Facebook group so you can see the next time you do ultrasound, you can look back and be like, well, here's a simple quick math that I have to do. Here's how the tissue temperature will increase per minute and here's where I need to go. I actually did it real quick and it's it's not too bad to do the math. I've, I've done longer things within athletic training besides this, so I, I think it could work. And on the opposite side of the vigorous heating, if you want the non-thermal effects, then you're trying to get minimal to low degree of heating. So you're not going to bump the intensity as high or maybe your duration will be a little bit lower. I would say maybe longer duration at low intensity might be better for non-thermal effects, but overall you got to feel it out with where you are. And that also goes back to ensure the time is sufficient. You know, like I said, for tissue heating, a lot of times it needs a lot longer of a time than non-thermal effects. But I would argue for the non-thermal, I still think you should go a pretty good amount of time. Some of the studies went 10 minutes, up to 15 minutes on their ultrasound. That's just a long time. That is a long time to awkwardly just be sitting by your athlete. I know. It is a very weird experience to ultrasound with an athlete because you run out of things to talk about after a while. But that longer duration may expose the tissue to the sound longer, which will probably help stimulate the fibroblasts a little bit better than just doing like three minutes or something. And one that I feel most athletic trainers don't think about until the end of the year is make sure the equipment is calibrated properly. Not a lot of people think of that, but that can also play a role in how effective your ultrasound treatment is going to be. Um, I'm pretty sure you're supposed to get them calibrated every year, aren't you? You are supposed to, but that does not mean everybody does sometimes. If there's anything off on the ultrasound, it could cause discomfort, and that might be why you're not getting a lot of good outcomes with your ultrasound, because if they're already in pain and you have to like lower the intensity or turn off the machine, then you're not getting to the goal that you effectively wanted. Now... There can also be a difference in the type of equipment that you buy. So I'm going to try and uh, save some people money here. Okay. So when you're buying an ultrasound, there's one thing that you should, I mean, obviously you should look at more things, but one key thing you should look at is what's called the BNR. And that is the beam non-uniformity ratio. I know athletic training students out there are listening to this and they're like, I barely even remember that. And I'm in modalities class. So what that means is that's the ratio between the average intensity of the ultrasound across the radiating area and the peak intensity of the beam of the sound. Essentially, it's how much does the sound change depending where it's at. 
So are you getting hot spots? Is it more intense in one area than it is in another area? That can create a lot of discomfort, and sometimes it can cause burning in the patient. They'll be like, ooh, that spot really hurt. So when you're looking to buy an ultrasound unit, a lower BNR is better. One would be perfect. One would be the best machine ever, but that is impossible. Can't have it. The ideal that I was seeing was between a two and a six. So the closer you get to a two, the better the machine is, which means you're probably going to be able to be pretty aggressive with your intensities and not cause patient discomfort, which means you might maximize your outcomes. Okay, cool. So I don't have to throw away my ultrasound. No, you do not need to throw away your ultrasound. I don't know if you've noticed, but I actually do find really good benefits from ultrasound. Um, Ever since I listened to the continuing education course I was talking about and read some of Draper's stuff, I've changed the way I set my parameters for the ultrasound, and I have found really good outcomes with it. Um, I like using it on hamstrings, you know, tendinopathies. Ever since I changed the way I've done it, I feel like my ultrasounds have gotten better. So if people are saying that like, oh man, I don't like ultrasound. I just, it's probably just placebo. Talk to them about maybe what, how they're using the ultrasound. What are they matching up with what they want the machine to do? So that's something to keep in mind as you go through your practice. Yeah, tendinopathies and other than what I already said, plantar fasciitis, um, I really like using it on Achilles tendinopathy because I just feel like that area, oh, and patellar tendinopathy. I feel like those areas are pretty easy to get with the ultrasound. Um, What kind of parameters are you using on this? So a lot of times with the tendons are a lot closer to the skin. So I'll do the frequency would be three megahertz. And a lot of times I am going for vigorous heating, so I will adjust my parameters accordingly. So I'll, I kind of have a high intensity, but because the lower... What's, what's high intensity for you? I'll do like 1.2. That's for, not high for, intensity. For the tendons. Well, for the tendons, it, I feel like it is like 1.2. I get a little freaked out when I go 1.5. I feel like I'm being too aggressive. I'll do 1.5 for muscle, though. I do 1.5 for pretty much everything, unless it's... I've never had anyone say it's too uncomfortable. That's good. Maybe your athletes are just soft. Well, we have established (laughs) that I have a lot of soft athletes. That is not a wrong statement. But I'll I'll adjust my time accordingly because of the Mm 1.2. So I do have like 3 megahertz heats up a lot faster than 1 megahertz. So your time duration sits a lot less closer to like 5 minutes. You can even go less if the intensity is high enough. But like I said... It might be more beneficial to do non-thermal for some tendinopathies. But again, it goes back to what your goal is. And where you are, really. Yes, absolutely. Sometimes you don't have time to sit 10, 15 minutes with an athlete. You know, so that's another thing that will play into account how you use ultrasound. Yeah, honestly, usually I'll do 1.5 and then um, I'll work in some stretching with that, too, because I think that ultrasound and stretching is one of my favorite things. Um, with the plantar fasciitis, I usually do that or tooling, like stretching or tooling and I'll also get down into their big toe area. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. You, you really scared me in the, in the beginning when you're like, oh, it doesn't actually work. <laughs> I yeah, was like, see? no, I found that it works. See, that's why I like the little twist to the end. Twist at the end, not to the end. We're not twisting to the end. 
Cool. So, Randy, how many citations would you say you use for this? Uh, I probably use about 15. Okay, cool. So we're going to put those up on our website. If you guys have not been to our website, the link is in the show notes below or the video description if you're watching on YouTube. Also, make sure you head over to our Facebook group where, like Randy was talking about, um, that's also down in the show notes or video description. Also, facebook.com slash group slash Podcast. There's only one question to get in the group, and it's where did you hear about our podcast? And if you guys are new, we do every other episode as education or stories. This was obviously an education episode. So next week, we are back to our stories, and we are sharing experiences from other athletic trainers as well as ourselves about just a variety of topics. It is a reporting year if you guys are listening to this in 2021, so make sure you also, while you're checking out our show notes, man, there's a lot of good things in the show notes. So many good things. Make sure you scroll down and click on the MedBridge link. We have a code for you guys to get $175 off your one-year subscription for MedBridge, which is a continuing education website, so make sure when you're checking out, use the code ATCORNER. Yes, they have a lot of great stuff on MedBridge um, certificate Probably programs. Probably more ultrasound stuff, too. Probably more ultrasound stuff. They have certificate programs, study prep programs. It's it's really inclusive. Yeah, we really like it. Oh, absolutely. All right, Randy, you got anything else to add? Nope, that was perfect. Thank you for helping us showcase athletic training behind the tape. Bye. <laughs>